is the the big hook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we have plenty to talk about in terms of that because uh, with Tesla, Square, uh, Ark Invest, all these different things that we both look into. I think there's plenty of uh, plenty of topics to dig through. Well, and that's true too. But I I actually think the <clears throat> more beneficial level to to phrase it that way for non-tech watchers i mean anybody can figure out a facebook or an amazon or even a tesla but it's how is this stuff affecting you know traditional businesses how is technology affecting the prospect of let's say construction or real estate um you know and there you get the zillow and a bunch of other companies going after uh the traditional retail or real estate business right how does you know 3d printing affect construction you know how does uh dna editing affect big pharma potential things i think is really where people are going to get caught with their pants not paying attention right yeah i uh you mentioned real estate i was thinking about this i think it's called open door or maybe it's called glass door some uh tech company in real estate. No, it's not Glassdoor. Um, it's a, it's a tech company that lets you sell your house peer to peer. And it, it basically makes it almost like a Facebook marketplace, but for home buyers, um, which is a disruptive point of real estate that a lot of people aren't, aren't looking at yet, which is where you kind of skip over the realtors. You skip over the uh, a lot of the bureaucratic uh, part of real estate and just go peer to peer. And then also have the aspect of virtual tours and, and stuff like that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he follows technology a little bit. And I said, listen, if there's big money being made now, they're, is companies out there going after it. there's disruptors around the corner and real estate commissions are enormous yeah so when you're looking at six percent on hundreds of billions of dollars sold somebody's going to go after it and there's a lot of companies out there. yeah um yeah i mean i think i'm, I'm trying to yeah six percent on average maybe Five to six percent. I mean, that's what that's what the average. Uh, maybe not the average. Maybe it's a little lower because uh, discount brokers and stuff. But I mean, you know, you're usually looking at three and three, so it's usually six percent, maybe five percent. But on yeah. a couple hundred grand, that's some real jack. Oh yeah, and uh, I mean the volume of of houses being sold, of commercial real estate, all of it. It's a huge market, and it's. I mean, the, the real estate market itself is running on dinosaur technology in terms of the rest of the world in some areas. Yes. I think really when we, when I look at technology and industries, when there's three that really stand out that are ripe for disruption, they have been highly inflationary over the last, you know, 20 years, but they are really, they're doing business today like they did 30, 40 years. And the first one is education, especially upper level education. Um, 
that's going to change obviously now with the coronavirus and schools closing and online. The second is construction slash real estate. And the third really is medical. People don't realize that, you know, yeah, there's been a lot of advancements in, in medicine. The problem is, is medicine is still done the same way it was done 30 years ago. You get sick, you go to the doctor. You get, uh, you have something beyond that doctor, they send you a specialist. You got an emergency, you go to the emergency room. They either admit you or don't admit you. I mean, it's really, all the arguments over like healthcare are just who's footing the bill, not how do we get the bill down. Right. Yeah. And I mean, if we want to dig into, uh, into your first topic for education, I mean, do you think, uh, do you think COVID is accelerating? Cause I, we were moving toward virtual education anyways. We were moving toward uh, less classroom interaction, more uh, online schooling, cheaper options, uh, and just general access in terms of internet and knowledge uh, globally. So do you think COVID is accelerating the adoption of technology into education and, and more at-home education? I will go beyond that and say COVID has taken the trends that were in place and technological trends and accelerated them in all areas. And education, without a doubt, is one of the ones at the, the top of the list. But when you start to look at what's happening today, let's take the remote workers work from home, which is the same type of situation. If you think about it, work from home, whether you're doing bookkeeping or data entry or teaching a class, it's still the same thing. But that technology, those technologies are not new. They've been around. I mean, they were invented 10, 15 years ago. They're just being implemented now. And that's what COVID has done is COVID has taken that gap between what technology can do and human acceptance, and it closed very quickly. Yeah, it's definitely exposing the, uh, the flaws in the old ways that things have been done and then, and then kind of also exposing the benefits of, of how technology can make it better, more efficient, cheaper, uh, have broader access. Um, so where do you see, I, I think there's a huge debate right now about colleges and, and tuition and especially in the States, um, people are paying pretty much the same amount of money. Uh, to go to college, even though all their classes are now online. So I think a lot of people are considering dropping out of traditional college and, and looking for the cheaper online options because that's what they're getting anyways. I, I, see, I see there being two tiers. The first tier will be for the elites, the, the upper tier, the MITs, the Harvards, the in-person instruction, um, that'll always be there. But your second tier of students and schools in particular are going to find a drastic change because the first off from the school's perspective, if you're not a top tier school, let's say a top 50 institution, um, the attractiveness to go to that school and run up $75,000, $100,000 in debt doesn't make any sense. From the education standpoint of the student, obviously online is going to take over. Where that's going to be dependent upon is the acceptability of the employer. 
because up to this point, and, and I think it's going to go that way, it's going to be like Microsoft certification. You know, IT managers, if they're looking to hire somebody, they just look at what Microsoft certifications they have. They don't care where they got it. You got the certification, okay, great. You did the online course, great. And I think that's what it's going to do is we are going to see more uh, curriculums catering to specific jobs and somebody takes a course or a couple courses for six months or whatever it is, pays five grand, you got the certification, you can go get a job. But I, I think over the next few years, you're going to see a lot of uh, private universities going on. Um, so do you want to move on to, uh, your second point? We talk about real estate a little bit more. What do you think, uh, in terms of real estate, what do you see are the top, uh, top things that are waiting to be disrupted? That's a good question. I, I think the most obvious answer is what we just talked about, the, the disruption in the selling market. Because real estate brokers and agents basically do nothing more than bring buyers and sellers. That's what salespeople have done for, you know, generations. But as we found out with the internet and the Amazons and online, those platforms bring buyers and sellers together. And now we've started to see, you mentioned Tesla earlier. Tesla, I think Rivian is also... Uh, going with this model where they're going with online sales. So automobile sales are taking place online. So there's really no reason why a home, especially if you um, combine it with newer technologies like virtual tours, why that can't be done online. So I think from that end of things, certainly that's the most obvious. I think there's a couple other areas that are questionable. It gets outside technology, but how did COVID, the work from home, the tendency to assemble around cities, has COVID changed that some? Will we see a pushing out into the suburbs? Um, that I don't really know right now. But I do think from the construction end of thing, which obviously ties into real estate, new construction, I think over the next five or 10 years, we're going to see radical changes, which are going to deflate the cost of construction tremendously. There's a lot of projects, automated bricklayers out there. I mentioned 3D printing, a host of other robotics, things of that nature that they're really trying to get the cost of construction down. And if they can do that, that really makes an interesting situation because you know, real estate isn't a short-term investment. So if you buy a $400,000 home today, five, seven years from that, well, if they can build the same home for a tenth of what it costs to put your home up, what does that do to your real estate? So I think there are some big question marks out there for people. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, what you're talking about where we could see these massive uh, companies and with disruptive technology like 3D printing, uh, or any sort of automated and real automation brought to real estate. Cause I think a lot of it is still, uh, still kind of done the way that things have been done for hundreds of years. Um, any type of automation, any type of uh, efficiency coming into the market. I, I think a lot of people look at it as an opportunity to get into that, 
that sector of it, but then also um, it's interesting to think about what would happen to people who own homes now or who are thinking about buying homes right now. Um, and, and regardless of that, the, the younger generations are already uh, less inclined to buy homes. They're renting a lot more and, and moving around, uh, moving out of cities. And now COVID, again, to bring that back in, is, is uh, accelerating the move uh, for, away from cities, uh, especially with remote work and all of that. Without a doubt, I think uh, you bring up a, a point that you're focusing on real estate. But again, if we step back, technology is certainly bringing forth the model of access over ownership. Netflix is a prime example. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when people actually bought DVDs of movies. I'm actually old enough to remember when they bought cassettes of movies. Uh, now you don't own the movie. You just have a Netflix. You don't own music. You just go to Pandora or Spotify. And certainly the millennials uh, and below have embraced that. So that's another factor that in this, um, zero marginal cost society that we're moving towards, it's not so much owning, it's utilizing. Cloud has brought that about. Software as a service, looking at transportation as a service. I mean, we're moving towards life as a service. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting to see how that all plays out. Even computing power now is... Uh, is moving to the cloud and, and more people are using their phones, less people are using their computers, which is interesting to see. Yeah. And, and then if we want to skip into another technology, you start talking about edge computing, especially tied to AI. And right now AI is on servers and, and big server rooms, but the expectation is, a lot of that AI is going to end up on people's phones or people's end devices and pushed outward, giving people more capabilities in these small devices than even exist today in the big server room. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of to give a historical outlook on that, you've got uh, that fun statistic that everyone loves to talk about, which is you've got more computing power in your pocket than the president had uh, in the 60s, which is really crazy to think about that every really almost every human out there right now is walking around with with a, a massive supercomputer just in their pocket access to information like never before um, and the effects on society are are just getting started I think a lot of people look at the internet like it's this really old thing uh, but it's still pretty young well it, and here's something that that's interesting about technology for all that's taken place the last 20 years, we've been actually in a technological nadir. Uh, technology goes through cycles, and I'm not talking about uh, you know, the Gartner hype cycle, which is certainly applicable, or the S-curves, which are applicable. But if you look at technology over the long term, over the last 175, 200 years, whatever it's been, we've seen 20, 15 to 20 year peaks and troughs. And we had a technological explosion in the 40s and the 50s, uh, coming out of World War II. The 60s, in spite of the Moon Project, was really a little bit low technologically, as was the 70s. 
But once we got into the 80s, we started to see things such as cable TV, the VCR, in-home gaming system, the personal computer, the mobile phone. Then you jump into the 90s, the internet, the World Wide Web. Uh, all these things came about. And if you look over the last 20 years, really the only game changer we've seen is the mobile phone, the smartphone, which was actually a convergence of the internet, computer, and mobile. And that took off, that changed, you know, society, you know, everywhere in the world. But we are coming to the end of that, you know, 15 or 20 year technological nadir. And now we're going to be on, on an explosion. So when you start to look at things such as 3D printing, or we look at renewable energy, or we look at uh, extended reality, which your virtual reality and, and your uh, augmented reality. When we start to look at, you know, possibly quantum, although I think that's a little further out, but over the next couple of decades, we'll see incredible progress with that. You know, autonomous vehicles, drones, I mean, you just name it, we're going to see an explosion. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely at at this uh, this turning point, um, and I I know a lot of uh, well known people like uh, Chamath, uh, Palapatia, uh, Elon Musk, and other people uh, in that in that kind of group talk about technology and and inventions and and progress, and they're looking at especially places like Silicon Valley, and and they're talking about how more people are focused on how to get you to like a couple pictures rather than uh, solving real problems uh, that actually real problems are are kind of in the minority right now and over the past decade um, whereas people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates you know 20 30 40 years ago were focused on creating these technologies that radically changed everything uh, the way that we interface with everything um, and and definitely the the money is in the the short-term money is in doing the uh, the likes and the engagement things like Instagram, but but the long term value is is really in uh, those disruptive technologies, and you can just look at that with uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Um, the real values in in building something that changes the way everybody does everything. Yeah, absolutely. I I think when you look at companies such as Amazon uh, and what they've gravitated into. You look at Elon Musk, you look at even Google with all of their different projects, many of which fail, but they have a lot of moonshots always that they're funding and in operation. So I think certainly I, I would say that's just a sign of the times. You go through that nadir um, because first off, there's got to be a build out of the previous couple decades technology. There are major breakthroughs, but let's be honest, the internet in 1998 was not very well built out. We were still on dial-up and we didn't have a lot of functionality to it. It was still Web 1.0 and all that other stuff. Uh, so the last couple decades, we've seen a massive improvement. Um, the internet depended on the communications. You know, our communication system today is a lot more advanced than it was before, but certainly the moonshots, I, I think a lot of them are behind the scenes, moonshots in, uh, gene editing, those are some of the things, some of the cancer research and disease research 
longevity projects, the, the human longevity project. I, I think there's a lot of moonshots in, in play there. Of course, literal moonshots in the space program and stuff like zero gravity manufacturing. Those, those are being, you know, messed about. How long till they come to fruition? But I don't know, but at least they're starting on. I lose you. Hello. There you are. Can you hear me? Yep, I hear you now. Okay. Cool. Keep fading in and out. I don't know why. It's weird. Um, one, thi one thing that I'll present to you that uh, I'd like your thoughts on, they, they say typically over a 10-year period of time, 40% of the S&P disappeared uh, through either bankruptcy or merger and acquisition, but 40% of the companies that are on the S&P will not be there in 10 years. Do you think what we're going to see with technology will actually accelerate that pace? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a believer that that we're seeing a faster turnover rate in these uh, in these large companies. So if the turnover rate over the past how many years uh, has been 40 percent, let's say that are cycling out of the S&P, I think that's only going to get more intense as uh, as new technologies arise. As uh, I, I mean, we see the access to the Internet, access to these uh, open source tools that uh, small companies, uh, individuals are leveraging in places like Silicon Valley. They're leveraging them and, and they're able to disrupt a, a multi-billion dollar corporation uh, with just a couple million that they've raised uh, from venture capitalists. So it, yeah, I think, that, I think that that gap is getting, it's, it's widening, it's getting more intense in terms of turnover rate, in terms of uh, how these companies are becoming irrelevant, these large corporations, because they're uh, they're becoming these immovable behemoths that they can't adapt with the times. They can't uh, adopt the new technologies because they're just too big uh, and they're too focused on on the bottom line. They're too focused on uh, the way they've done business over the past couple decades. Well, yeah, and I think the tendency is if you are a, a large market leader, historically the tendency is don't stay on top through innovation you stay on top by buying power by the power of your sheer size to step on your competition and through lobbying and 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 going to the regulators and legislation the problem with that is the innovators are always hanging out on the fringe and eventually they work around your legislation they work around all your patents they work around all your stuff and they end up growing just like you're saying and if that's at an accelerated rate that causes more problems. I think the other layer to this is that doesn't have to be even in the United States because that innovation can come somewhere, anywhere in the world, as long as somebody has an internet. Right. Yeah, and if, if uh, I can toss in a topic to the mix, uh, how about online banking and uh, things like the Cash App that are making uh, access to financial tools uh, way easier. I like. I personally know people who 
don't invest in stocks, um, who want to just take a little bit of money, just a couple bucks at a time, you know, like maybe 5% of their weekly paycheck uh, and throw it into the stock market and things like the cash app where they've got the uh, fractionalized shares are allowing them to, to get into this, uh, to step into the financial world where otherwise they wouldn't, wouldn't have access, which kind of plays to that broader idea of uh, the little guy coming in uh, and playing in uh, the big boy pond and, and being able to access the things that uh, previously were only available to, to people who were at the very top. Yeah, and is there anybody who's more entrenched than the big banks and Wall Street? And you look at FinTech, which has been, you know, basically we're going on close to two decades since FinTech really got going. And you look at the damage that's been done. I mean, just look at the real estate market. In 2018, more than half of the uh, mortgages written were from non-banking entities. So when you start to look at that and knowing all these companies, PayPal even being one of them, they started as little little applications. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean they're they still in terms of market share, they they don't have much, but they're uh they're definitely climbing. I know Venmo and and Cash App is something that uh that that peer-to-peer payment system is something that ARK Invest is taking a close look at. Um, and I think that's, that's a major sector to keep your eye on uh, in terms of investing in it, in terms of using it. Um, peer-to-peer, I mean, before, unless you had cash, how easy was it to do a peer-to-peer transfer, say 20 years ago? Now I can just go on my phone and send anyone cash or Bitcoin or whatever in less than a minute. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that was a revolutionary breakthrough. And we are only at the very beginning phases of the innovation that comes along with it. Look at Robinhood. Look at how quickly that app went from zero to all of a sudden make it, taking most of the major brokerage houses on Wall Street and saying, we got to get rid of these trading fees because Robinhood's going to kill us. Right. I mean, yeah, and I mean who, if- who knew Robinhood? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anything, it's just, it's making it better for, for the little guy. Again, it's uh, bringing down the fees across the entire industry or, or just breaking the barriers to entry uh, more broadly. Well, what, one thing I've learned in my study of the internet, there's two basic things that happen when the internet shows up at an, an industry's door. The first thing it does is it just bitch slaps everybody who's there. It obliterates them. And the second thing is it creates abundance. So if we look at the first phase of the internet was information. Who was the information purveyors back ages ago? It was the newspaper. Well, we know what happened to them. All of a sudden it knocked on music store. What did it do to the record companies? They didn't make any money off their recorded music for 16 straight years. It killed them. You know, AT&T's long distance service. It came into the communications industry, killed their long distance. Came into video, killed Blockbuster. And now you look at each of those areas. I mean, we have more information that we can consume in a million lifetimes, more music than we can listen to, more video that, than we can watch. And you can talk to, you know, 
4 billion people on the planet using a variety of mechanisms, everything from text to uh, cloud to the instant messaging to, you know, whatever. You know, whereas what did we have 40 years ago? You picked up the phone, called somebody, you wrote them a letter. Yeah. It, it's just, so when you start to look in the financial arena, because, again, that's an industry that it has its, its tentacles in so many different things. It's just ripe for disruption. And a lot of your very wealthy companies are, are all involved in finance, and they could be in trouble. They're going to have to adapt at a minimum. Right. Yeah, and, and like I said before, they're, they're so large and so embedded. I really don't see most of these companies adapting. I see them going out of business or uh, at least getting getting a big chunk of their market share eaten up by these smaller companies that are that are flexible and adaptable uh, and aimed toward the little guy rather than the uh, the top one percent. Well, and the thing about the the these apps that you're talking about is the ease of use. They they simply go to you know, their Google or their Apple store and just download the app and they're in business. Good to go. You know, send us, you know, whatever you need, you know, a couple hundred bucks, whatever it is, or just set it up, link it to a bank account and you're good to go. And so in 10, 15 minutes, these, these people are, are in operation and they don't have to go through the nightmare that the banks or some of these established institutions put you through. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a few years since I opened a bank account, but the last time I opened a bank account, I had to go into my bank, provide all sorts of documentation, uh, have a meeting. I probably took maybe two or three hours just to get a bank account. And then for something like the Cash App, you know, within five, 10 minutes, I've got it set up. I can, I can already do transfers. I can fund it. I can, you know, now you can buy stocks with it. You can do all sorts of stuff. You can buy Bitcoin. You can send Bitcoin. You can do all of these features that even bank accounts don't have uh, in a fraction of the time uh, with a fraction of the effort and also without the service charges, uh, minimum requirements, and all these other uh, barriers to entry that banks uh, have in place. Yeah, it reminds me, I I watched a video by Dollar Vigilante a while back. I forget where he's out of, I guess, Dominican Republic. And what you're saying is the U.S. banking system, which is which is fairly good. He said he went there and he went through the process he had to go through because he wanted to set up a a local bank there for some business conducted. He had to do it. And he said he went through the process and he described the process of what he went through one day. And he had to have three other meetings after that. It took like two or three weeks for him to get approved just to have a simple bank account. He said with Bitcoin, I just set up the address and post the Bitcoin address and I'm good to go. Yeah. So, I mean, it just shows you how the move towards efficiency is what's going to destroy the dinosaurs in any of these industries. Right. So your third topic was uh, medical, the medical industry. What are you, what are you looking at as the top, uh, top disruptive technologies coming to, to the medical industry? Well, medical is a great deal of uncertainty, but I do know this. Google, Microsoft, Apple, Samsung, they all have their eyes set on medical. They all have many, many projects they're working on that's targeting the medical industry. 
And when you have companies like that targeting you, something's going to happen because these companies, you know, obviously they're software developers. They can move very quickly. They're very agile, even though they're big. They, they can get very agile with what they develop. I think we're going to see in the medical area, it's going to go from sick care to healthcare, where over time, as we're getting more and more monitoring devices, um, and that's going to feed up into some type of digital file, which will be analyzed by AI. So I think the ability to diagnose and to find out problems earlier on will be part of the process. So I think that's going to really take a toll on these sick care providers who make a lot of money who say, well, wait, you know, we don't deal with you until something's wrong. And then when you come right. in and it's a boatload of money. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think much in the same way as this remote work, I think we're going to see a lot of doctor visits. Okay, maybe the initial visit you go into the doctor, but they take blood work. I think the follow-ups are going to be all done remotely because I mean, why go back in the office for the doctor to read what, what the blood work says? Email it. Get right. on a video call with it. Uh, and then, you know, from there, I think once you start to get the data going, in addition to the biotech industry, once they start making a lot of inroads, which they are starting to do, um, I think, you know, within 10 years' time, we're going to have a completely different medical system. We're going to have, you know, things where we're starting to take a pill to correct things or uh, we won't have nanobots at that point in time, but, you know, they'll be able to reprogram something or uh, better isolate things uh, than they can now to not only fix a problem now, but also head off three problems later. Yeah, I That's mean. That's a real interesting one to watch because, again, there's so much money there. Right. And, uh, and it affects everybody. I mean, it's not like anybody's really outside of, of needing some sort of medical attention at some point in their lifetime. Yeah, and um, especially since we're, we're an aging population globally, so it's, it's only <laughs> going to get more important because we're living longer. Right. And uh, to throw a little personal experience on that, uh, my, my uh, primary doctor, when I when I have an issue, I actually can go online. They've got this whole online service where I can uh, post a, a message and, and ask for his advice. Should I uh, do this or should I do that? And uh, if it's serious enough, he'll just tell me to come in. But oftentimes I'll just get, I'll get his feedback without even going in the office, without scheduling an appointment. Um, and so I, I definitely, I think we're already starting to see that, that kind of come forward. And I know, with uh, with remote work, like you were saying, a lot of doctors are are already doing video calls and and taking their patients without actually seeing them. Um, so we're starting to see it already take shape, which which I think is really important uh, in terms of access and and bringing the cost down, making it all more efficient. Well, and and it gives better care. I'll I'll give an example that um, Peter Diamandis likes to point to this because he's invested in a company that does robotic surgery and tied in with AI. And the idea is, you know, you can go in and see a surgeon for, you know, let's say knee surgery. And if that surgeon's experienced and, you know, been practicing for 30 years, you know, maybe they've done a thousand knee surgeries. 
but you all of a sudden have a robotic knee surgeon that knee surgeries are happening all over the country each day. And this robotics knee surgery system, let's say, uh, is doing 300 surgeries a day. You know, after a few months period of time, actually after a few days period of time, it'll pass the top doctor in that field. And so when you start to look at that, would you rather have a doctor who did 1,000 surgeries or a doctor who did 50,000 surgeries? And so those are some of the things that are out there. And obviously, we're not letting you know, AI systems do surgery right now, but we are doing remote surgery. So um, you know, it's kind of like video games, I guess, the old <laughs> operation game, if you remember that, but yeah. on steroids. <laughs> um. Yeah, definitely. I, medical is really interesting. I'm definitely keeping an eye on that. So if we want to kind of tie a, tie a neat bow on all of this and bring it to, uh, bring it to the uh, finance space, how would you suggest people to uh, invest and expose themselves to these three uh, primary industries, education, real estate, medical? How would they expose themselves financially and uh, intellectually? How do they learn more about it? Um, what's the best approach to that? Uh, well, the first, first thing that comes to my mind is to protect yourself. The, and what I mean by that is don't necessarily look at a particular behemoth like we're talking about, one of these entrenched entities in any of these industries, and say, well, over the last 20 years, they've done this, this, and this, the, the dividends this, the yields this, they've grown steadily at this pace, and don't necessarily assume that it'll continue in the future. Because if it's a highly profitable company in a highly profitable industry, there's, there's startups out there gunning for it. And as we were just discussing in the fintech space, many of them make a, achieve a great deal of success very quickly. Uh, so that's the first thing is don't buy, hold, and then go to sleep. I mean, you have to monitor. The other thing that I think is we have to take an holistic approach. And you and I discussed last time we talked about uh, a company that they've changed how they analyze. And I think that's the proper mindset. Uh, I think being a specialist going forward, unless it's something that's very, very highly specialized, as a career, let's say, I think the generalists are going to win because things change too quickly. So you better, you know, the old saying, you know, I'm a, a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Um, I think that is really a good way to be going forward. And when you're looking at the financial arena, you're looking at these specific industries, um, you know, how does 3D printing, which we mentioned applying to real estate, but that equally applies to the medical industry. They're 3D printing all kinds of stuff, including organs they're starting to work on. So to say that, you know, you just look at one particular industry and say what technologies are affecting this, I take the reverse approach. I look at the technologies and say, okay, where can these start to, to fall into place? What industries are they going to start to affect? Now, from an investment standpoint, Unfortunately, a lot of the stuff to get into, their startup, their venture capital, they're very risky, and there's big money to be made, but most of us are excluded from that. 
that said, I think there's plenty of opportunities across the board to look at, and I think I mentioned this uh, one time, but I feel there's two types of business. Those type of businesses who are teching out or those that are going out of business. And I don't care if you're just a very traditional company. And I use the example of Walmart because I think this is the epitome in the last five years of a very traditional company that transitioned. They made the investment in technology. They made the commitment to technology. And they are looking at what's out there and they're applying it to their business. And that's going to happen across the board. So when you start to hear about an Amazon getting involved in health insurance, as an example, well, there's nothing that says Amazon cannot get involved in healthcare. They have, you know, who knows how many employees, they have who knows how many people that they interact with as customers. They can start to not only offer insurance to those people, they can actually, you know, do like Health First and some of these other um, medical behemoths have done and just, you know, go out and buy a medical company, a, a hospital or whatever, and just start tying it in. And then they just start taking it out. I mean, you know, Amazon did that with the grocery business. What's more boring and traditional than the grocery business? Amazon dove right into it. So these are ways that I think people can take a look at technology. And one of the reasons why I think these talks are important is as somebody who immerses myself in some of these different things that are out there and read and study and follow and, and chart the progress, I think it's very good for people to start paying attention because I think technology is the elephant in the room. Yeah. Don't you agree I, I, or do you disagree with that? No, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I think a lot of people are, are starting to come around to, uh, to technology more and more, um, which is interesting to see as people, as people are adopting it, not late, but, but I mean, they've had plenty of time to, to understand how technology uh, influences things and, and understand how these large uh, corporations are, are at risk. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely agree with, with what you're saying is. Um, well, and another point to, to put people at ease, I'm talking about becoming technological. I'm not talking about becoming technical. I'm not a bits and a bytes guy. I'm not a programmer. I'm not a coder. I'm not anything. But I call myself a technologist in the sense that I, I study and monitor technology. Um, there's a lot of stuff I read that goes right over my head. I can't explain it to you. It's, it's written in geek, um, and that's just beyond me. But I get a general sense of where it fits in or what they're trying to explain. And I use a simple premise that I've found that's worked over the last decade when you want to look at technology. And the technology starts on the far out um, science pages, pages like phys.org, um, and their science, their engineering, their very complicated stuff. Then they go from there to the, the tech page. And from the tech pages, they go to the financial. And from the financial pages, they eventually hit the mainstream media. And you can watch different technologies and the ebb and flow. And it kind of follows a hype cycle. For example, virtual reality. You know, years and years ago, that was on the, um, you know, the far out, uh, very highly uh, scientific and tech pages and where the, you know, um, 
coders and scientists put their stuff out there. And then it quickly moved to the tech pages and before you knew it was on the mainstream. And it went over that cycle in a matter of less than a year. Well, the technology wasn't ready. And so that fell back. It was just hype. VR got a lot of press, but it ended up being a, 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 a much ado about nothing. The typical cycle is about three years from the science pages to the mainstream. If it goes three to five years on that cycle, then you're looking at a technology that is ready to make an impact. Right now, one that I will say is at that point is 3D printing. They're right there. In the next couple of years, you're going to see huge breakthroughs uh, into the mainstream with that. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. And it's definitely important to keep, keep talking about it. I don't, I don't think, like you were saying, people don't need to understand you know, all the technical nuances going on. They, they can get a general overview and a bird's eye view of, of what's happening uh, at any level. I think uh, really it doesn't, take a, it doesn't take a coder's mind to, uh, to really understand what's happening in terms of uh, macro technology. Um, so I think uh, doing these talks are really important. So for the audience, uh, we're going to do these every Monday, right? That sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, I think. Sounds, uh, sounds, sounds good to me. And, uh, you know, one thing, if I, I can add something that, that came to my mind here, and I, I think it's very important in the investing world uh, and the business world to pay attention to. Typically, disruption of an industry comes from outside the industry. We know that. That's been historically proven. Uh, IBM, obviously, was the, the top computer company in the 1970s going into the 80s, but they didn't win the race. They didn't win the operating. So disruption comes from outside the industry. Historically, disruption has come from startups. You know, you mentioned Apple earlier, Microsoft, companies like that. But I think we've seen something interesting with the technological age that we're in. For example, just mentioning Amazon, which is an established company, one of the richest companies in the world, at least by market cap, and they're going in and disrupting the grocery. So a thing to watch out for is, yeah, everybody wants to scout around for the startups, and, and that's not really a bad approach. Um, but be mindful of the mega companies that are out there that are technologically driven, that because they're involved in technology, they can go any direction. So, for example, the disruption from healthcare is not going to come from healthcare providers. It may come to a degree from startups, but those companies that I mentioned, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Samsung, they're all going in there. They could be end up being major disruption forces in the medical industry, and they're, you know, big cap companies right now. Yeah. Yeah, so disruption is coming on on really all fronts. It's not, it's not one place or the other. It's, it's, uh, it's really coming at all angles. Yeah. And then you just expand that out geographically and saying, okay, uh, we're, we're talking about us companies because that's what we know best. Um, but you know, that could come out of Europe. It could come out of Japan. It could come out of China. I mean, who knows where it could come out, it could come out of Bangladesh. Right. <laughs> So I, 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 and that's really where I think 
And I know the tendency is historically people say, well, things are changing. And then you look over time, they don't really change in the investment world. But I really do believe that because there's so much coming so quickly and there's so much money out there. And I'm not talking about the Fed printing money. I'm talking there's so much venture capital and so much investment being made that it's just a, an all-out rodeo. And I think because of that, when you look at over 20 years, if you looked at Amazon 20 years ago, you wouldn't have touched it. You would have compared Amazon to Sears, and you would have said, Sears is a clear winner here. It, it's right. got a much stronger balance sheet. It's making a profit. It, it, it's got a loyal following. It, it touches so many different products. They got all this square footage. They got buying power. Sears is, you know, it's a, a American brand. Well, you know, where's Sears today? Where's Amazon? Uh, Sears is teetering around bankruptcy. Amazon's, you know, if they're if they're not the top market cap in the U.S. Uh, markets, they're second biggest market cap. I mean, they're just it exploded. Um, so we see that over and over again, and I think that's an important lesson for people to learn. Yeah, and that it all goes back to that that bird's eye macro understanding of technology and and where it all is headed, how it works today. Um, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, with that, I think, I think that's a pretty great stopping point. And then, uh, next week we can definitely dive more into, uh, into some other, uh, broad technologies. So, uh, thanks for coming on and doing this. It'll be great to see what the feedback is. And if, uh, some of the, uh, people who are listening to this, um, if they have anything they want to hear about. Yeah, definitely. So, Uh, If you're listening to this and want to ask us a question, ask us to uh, cover uh, some sort of topic, leave a comment below. Um, And uh, of course, I'll I'll write it in the post as well. Um, So thanks again. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see how this turns out each week. Thanks for having me.